Excellent. Thank you very much, David. Excellent. So I was just thinking the kids can stay in this morning. There's no need to, for them to go out. So they can just play at the back or whatever. <laughs> I'll not be too distracted, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to look at Romans 4. And today is a passage where it sort of brings to a culmination, actually, everything that's been taught so far. It's a passage that just sort of helps us and reminds us um, just of, of who God is. Because it starts very simply in verse 1. It says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? In fact, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before but God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, Wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The blessed one, sorry, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. The first part of this passage reminds us that we always have to come back to the central truth of the Bible, the central truth of what we believe as Christians, that it is by grace that we are saved through faith. See, this is pointing out that Abraham wasn't justified by what he did. You know, I always remember, you know, I, I said this in a small group the other night, that it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. I'm sure some of you remember the advert, it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. That's what gets results. Yeah, and that's the truth. It's not what we do for God, but it's all about how we do what we do for God. See, if it was works, then Abraham could have said, well, look at what I've done, and that's made me acceptable to God. But the Bible very clearly says that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So if you work hard and expect that that's going to count towards your salvation, so you can come to church, you can be involved in every single activity that you possibly can be, and you can do it all for your whole life, and still that won't affect your salvation at all. I want to accept whether you're accepted in God's presence or not, because unless you've accepted the free gift of God, you can do as much as you want, but it's not going to make you any more worthy of the following God. So you can be, some people are very mistaken, and they think that if I live a certain way, if I do a certain thing, that's going to be, you know, worthy in God's sight. That's going to make me in better standing. See, it can't be God's gift if you work for it. Do you know that? You can't, you can't do anything to make yourself more acceptable to God. See, if we accept God's gift, gift, it transforms the way we view life and we serve God out of that transformness. 
And even it takes us back to what uh, to David on what some of what he says. And he says that we are blessed because of the time that we live in. We're blessed to have the knowledge that we have now. We're blessed that Jesus had come. We're blessed of what Jesus has done. Our sin doesn't count against us anymore if we put our faith in Jesus. That's a good thing, isn't it? Do you know how powerful that is in your life? Do you know how much that strips away? That was just a dream for the people in the Old Testament. Before Jesus came, it was just a dream that the things that we'd done wrong would be just washed away in an instant. That was a dream. And they had all their systems. They had all their sacrifices. They had all their stuff that they needed to go through just to be counted even worthy in front of God, just for God to actually listen to them before he even forgave them. They had so many rituals and sacrifices and things to do to be worthy. But whenever Jesus came, he transformed all that. That's why David says we're blessed, because all we've got to do is ask for forgiveness and we've give, we're given it because of what Jesus did, because Jesus sacrificed himself. As it says in Isaiah, he was led like a lamb to slaughter. And he didn't open his mouth. See, we have the grace of God now, and that transforms everything. And thankfully as well, it's not just restricted to a certain group now. It's not just restricted to the, the people of Israel. Yes, everybody was worthy. Everybody could approach God. Um, but Israel was cho God's chosen people. But now, thankfully, it's not restricted to a group. Because it reminds us of this, because it says, if we read on in verse 9, it says, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstance was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It, it was not after, but before. He received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. See, this encourages us that the reality that this is for all people no matter how much or no matter how little they know about God, anybody can enter into this because it's through faith. Abraham had done nothing except in faith believe and trust in God. And he even wasn't called Abraham at this point. He was called Abram or, or A-B-R-A-M. So he hadn't got his ha yet. He hadn't got the ha in his name. But the thing is, God changed his name whenever he in faith continued to trust and follow and, and listen to God. And see, this is part of the good news that we've got to preach. You don't need to know everything about God. You don't need to know every bit of the Bible. You don't need to understand theologically the, in, the implications of, of what it means to live a holy life, etc., etc. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the good news, that no matter how much or no matter how little we know about God, all we have to do is, by faith, put our trust in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. That's the good news that we need to think. 
And that's why it's brilliant if we do have traditions that actually, in response to our faith, we incorporate traditions in. But some churches and some people in church have went the other way, and they do the traditions of the church that much that they actually, whenever something comes up, it, it just contradicts slightly. So they're doing traditions to point to their faith rather than um, allowing their faith to sort of enhance their traditions. And it's about doing stuff in the right way. So we've got to do everything through faith because, yes, it's good to set stuff in place that points towards God, but we need to make sure it's coming from the right heart. As we've, as we've prayed earlier, we need to be doing everything with the right heart. We need to make sure that we live in the right order, that we put our faith in God first, and then the outworkings of our life no matter how traditional or not traditional the expression of that faith, we just need to trust God through all of that. And this is what Abraham did. Abraham just went, I'm going to put my trust fully in God. God showed up to him and says, take your family and go to a foreign land. So he did. He just went, okay, God, I'm going to move. So he, he packed up his wife and then his cousin, his cousin wanted to come along too. So he allowed, or well, his nephew, wasn't it? Sorry, his nephew, Lot, wanted to come along too, so he allowed Lot to come with him. So he believed in God's word. He believed what God spoke to him, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's how he lived his life. God spoke, he listened, and responded, and went forward. And that's how we're meant to live our lives. This is a very good example of how we're meant to live our lives. We're not meant to live our lives just meaninglessly going through life and doing things we've always done week in, week out. Every day should be a new adventure with God. Every day should be a fresh expression of the faith that God has given us. As we listen for his voice, and no matter how impossible God's, you know, God's voice, we follow it and we trust it. It says in verse 13 that, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. See, this comes down to our fundamental belief system. What do you actually believe about God? Because there's one thing to say that in faith I believe about God, but then we just slip back into the way of, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do anything. And I read a, I read a brilliant book a few years ago which transformed the way I thought about that, and it's called The Ragamuffins Gospel. And it's an absolutely amazing book where it just reminds us that if you sat in a room and done nothing for the rest of your life, literally nothing, you didn't serve anybody, you didn't help anybody, you didn't do anything that would give glory to God in any way. God would love you no less. That's the sort of faith that we have because whenever we know God's love and he loves us because he loves us because he loves us, not because we've done anything to be more worthy or less worthy, we'll know God's grace in that. See, sometimes we can slip into that legalistic viewpoint that, you know, if I do something wrong, that discredits me from God. And I see there's some people that have spent their life going to church, 
saying all the right things, doing all the right things. In the right moments, they, they raise their hand in a worship song. In the right moments, they'll, they'll even pray. In the right moments, they'll, um, they'll do something which makes them look good, but their hearts are far from God. They don't know God. They don't have a, a daily interactive faith with God. And I was like that whenever I was younger, whenever I was 11, 12, 13. I grew up in a brethren church, and I knew all the right things to say to all the right people. I showed up in my suit, uh, you know, to keep them happy. And I'd done all this stuff just because that's what I thought, oh, you just got to do all the right things, tick all the right boxes, and you know what, that's it. But then God, you know, then actually my sister, then got, she decided she wanted to be baptized. So everybody turned to me thinking I was a Christian and went, when are you going to get baptized? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's right for me just yet, you know, because uh, you know, I knew in my heart, I'm not walking with God. I'm not right with God. I've not done anything to be worthy, you know, of this. So I can't, and I, I can't get baptized because I, I just don't, I don't believe it really. And it was later on that summer, actually, after my sister had been baptized, we went to a camp in Scotland. And that's where I had an encounter with God, which transformed my life. And I stopped being two-faced. I stopped just saying the right things to the right people because that's what I thought. Because around, around school friends and stuff like that there, I was effing and blinding. And, and, and then as soon as I showed up in some Christian circles, I was like the little pretty, you know, little holy boy, you know, couldn't set anything wrong. Because I knew what to do. And I wanted to try and please everybody. But the one person I didn't please was God. I let God down. But later that summer, whenever I give my heart to God, my life transformed. And I actually, I just went, you know what? I don't care what people think about me. I only care what God thinks about me. I only care because I've put my faith and trust in him. And that transformed my life. See, verse 14 really points to this. Because it says, For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. God's promise of his grace and his mercy to you is worthless if you think you can do anything that makes you acceptable in God's sight. If you can do anything to receive more of God's presence than you already have, you cannot get any more of God's presence than it is already in your life. God is there. God is present. God loves you. Full stop. You can't do anything to make yourself more worthy. And this is, this is actually a releasing thing because we just go, you know what, no matter what I do, I can, I can just be under God's grace and mercy. I can be free to worship God. And if you think that you can do something, it actually says, if you read on into verse 15, it says you're actually bringing God's wrath onto yourself. It says, because the law brings wrath. So if you think you can do something, you're actually bringing wrath on yourself because you're living under a condemnation because the time when you don't do something, whenever you don't do that one thing that you think makes you acceptable to God, whatever that is, so say you're, you've devotely got a quiet time and you miss it that one time and you think, oh no, God's going to be disappointed with me. You think that you're doing is actually creating your salvation. That's not. That's why we've got total freedom to do God whatever, to do whatever we need to. See, acceptance by God is totally through faith. And it's in belief in the promises of God that defines us. 
It's our belief in God's promises. We just have to trust God at his word. That when he says he'll meet us at that point of need, he will meet us there. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And that's the transforming power of our salvation. Because Abraham believed God. He blazed the trail going, I'm going to by faith follow God. And that's how he's supposed to inspire us to live. As we look at different people throughout history, we've seen different people who live by faith and have been good godly examples to us. In more recent years, you can look at different people. And then in, in ancient times, as you look through all the prophets and all the things, you can see different people living a life inspired of faith. There's many things said of many of them, but they had their struggles. But, but the thing is, God counted it, not Abraham's struggles against him. He actually counted, you know what, everything because he trusted God. He counted Abraham as righteous. No matter how much or no matter how little we know about God, you don't need to have a theology degree to follow God. But God will accept us by faith because of what he has done for us. That's the simple truth. It says, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that were not against all hope abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be without weakening his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and since since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is the God who we follow, the God who promises and the God who is faithful for that promise. We serve the God of the impossible today. You might look around and you might say, it's impossible that that person will know God. It's impossible, uh, it's impossible that that person can be healed. It's impossible that this can happen or that can happen. But our God is the God of the impossible. If God tells you to believe something, we have to believe it. In faith, we must believe what God tells us. God said to Abraham that he was going to make him a father of many nations, but Abraham was childless. It said he was as good as dead. And then um, it says that um, Sarah's womb, was, was she was barren. They were both very, very old. But yet, even in the old age, Abraham's faith didn't waver because he knew that the more impossible it got, the more likely it was for God to step in and do something miraculous. 
He didn't go that it's impossible because it hasn't happened. So maybe you've been praying for someone. Maybe you've been praying that God will move in, in that person's life or this person's life. And your faith's starting to waver. Because you've, you, you've seen that God wants to work in their life. And you were like, God, I just want to see them saved. I want to see them walking with you. I want to see them. But the thing is, your, your faith is starting to become weak. This is where we need to renew our faith, renew our mind and come to God and say, God, you know, allow me to, in faith, just come to you again. God kept whispering to God his promises and kept saying, I've promised you that you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham still believed God, no matter how impossible it looked. We need to still pray for the miracles that we want to see in people's lives today, that we want to see in the community we live in. I don't know about you, but I want to see a community on fire for God. I want to see a community of people um, that basically worship God with all that they have and in faith believe in God. Are we still praying that God will come and move? Or have we lost our, have we lost our faith? Are we still praying that God will use us? Or have we lost our faith, thinking, oh, well, God's not used me. How could God use me? Look at how messed up I am. Or are we in faith going, God, whatever you've promised me. Maybe God even gave you a prophecy a few years ago or a, a, some sort of vision or something that you've seen happen. And you haven't seen it happen yet. So you're like, God, why have I not seen this happen in my life? But we need to, through prayer and petition, through prayer and fasting, through reading the Bible and being inspired by God's promises to us, we need to remember that God has the power to do what he has promised. That's the God that we have, the God who meets us at that point of faith and has the power to do what he's promised you. Firstly, he's got the power to save you. He saves us from our sins. And then secondly, he wants to complete the good work that he's began in us. The Bible promises us that, that he's not going to leave us. He's not going to start something that he can't finish. And then all the other promises of the Bible. Have we forgotten some of the promises God has made us? It's too easy to forget the promises of God. So I just pray that this morning all of us will be refreshed by the promises of God, the promises that in that point of need, no matter how barren our womb seems, no matter how um, old we seem that we couldn't become a father, God is at that point of the impossible where he can transform things in an instant. God could fill this church overnight with people. Yeah, he could. He could, save, he could save this whole community overnight where literally we could show up at church tonight and there'd be no room for us because there's so many people who have come in who have today been transformed by the love of God and they need a spiritual home where they can grow in faith. God could do that in an instant. Do you have faith for that? Do you have faith to see that happen? Are you praying that that would happen? This is the challenges that God faces, oh, sorry, not God faces, that we face believing in God. It says that this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 22 says, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us 
to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. In faith, we need to constantly just come to God believing in his promises, believing in what God gives us, do we want it to be credited to us as righteousness or do we want to do things to be accepted to God? So as we come to tots and serve at tots, are we serving God just to show the love, or serving God and serving these people just to show them the love of God or do we think that that counts towards our salvation? It doesn't count towards our salvation, but it's a brilliant opportunity for us to display the grace that God's shown to us by our very stories, by our testimonies, by saying, this is what God has done in my life and through my life. Like it was brilliant to sit down at stairs on a Thursday with a woman who had been with a stroke and myself and Joe were able to sit and Joe was able to speak his testimony of how God's ministered through him and his, and his stroke and how he's recovered and how God's using him. And this lady was just sitting listening because she's still struggling with some of the ailments of her stroke and she's struggling with her faith and struggling to know what to believe. And it was just a brilliant opportunity for us to minister to her in, in that point where she's trying to work out what it means to have faith in God. And that's what our everyday lives are meant to be like. Our lives are meant to be on display. And we're meant to go, look at what God's done through a mess like me. Imagine how, what he can do through someone like you who's not as messed up as me. That's the beauty of what God does. That's the beauty of how God uses us time and time again. It wasn't just for the Romans, this crediting of righteousness, but it's for us. Because whenever we put our faith in God, God credits his righteousness to us, which means he counts us as holy. He counts us as worthy in his presence because we believe in Jesus, because we believe in the finished work, and we are justified and forgiven so that we can stand boldly in God's presence. So let's cling to the faith that God has given us. Let's not tie ourselves to anything that will detract from God, but let's tie ourselves to God's grace and mercy where we just get forgiven and we know the love of God complete in our life. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you give us an inspirational figure of faith like Abraham who trusted you and it was counted to him as righteousness. So God, give us the courage to step out in faith, to step out in the faith that you've given us and to minister and just to share the love that you have to all those people around us who have no hope, who have no joy, who have no compassion, who have nothing in their life that actually counts towards anything. But God, may we be able to display your love, your faith, and your hope. God, may people be just overwhelmed by the love that you have for them, the love that sent Jesus down to die for them so that they can be worthy in your presence. God, this is, a, this is times that people throughout history long for when simply putting their faith in Jesus would make them acceptable in God's presence. Today, when we remember that as we put our faith in Jesus, we are acceptable in your presence. Your presence surrounds us and envelops us. 
God, if you ask us to do something, may we be faithful and just to follow your word. And in faith, may we do everything that the Father tells us to do, because that's how Jesus lived his life. May we follow his example and in faith, follow you. In Jesus' name.